Welcome to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast for anyone looking to stop letting life get in the way and start crushing bold goals. I'm your host, Sarah Mayer, and I'm thrilled to navigate this journey with you because it's time to start boldly achieving without working double time. So let's dive in. Hello, Bold Gold Crushers. I'm super excited for this episode. I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my guest. In 2015, Natalie received news from her job that she would only have two days to give birth and then go back to work. And you heard that correctly, two days to give birth and then go back to work. Instead of accepting this, Natalie decided to take control of her situation, and she started her own virtual assistant business, which allowed her to work from home and earn money in a way that suited her. Her business grew quickly, and within just three months, it was making over six figures. Natalie didn't stop there. She expanded her entrepreneurial endeavors and now owns Nadora, a software company that helps businesses easily create websites, emails, and automations without having to spend hundreds of dollars on multiple systems and platforms. Natalie manages to balance her successful career with her personal life, raising her family in Southwest Florida. Through her inspiring speeches, she motivates others by showing them what determination, resilience, and unwavering passion we can make our dreams come true. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I know I've read your bio a couple of times and every time I've read it, I'm like, wow, this is someone who truly is resilient. So welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to be here. So I would be remiss if I didn't kick it off with your job gave you two days to have a baby and then come back. Let's talk yeah, about that. It was actually... A little backstory to that, we were actually trying for a family. We kept having multiple miscarriages and I was already a high risk pregnancy. So I I did wait a little bit to tell them because I have a history of miscarriages. So once I was in that safe zone of pregnancy, I told my job and then in return, yes, they told me I had two days to give birth and then I have to go back to work because I had only been working there for under a year in Florida. You don't qualify for the paid leave until you've been working there for a whole year. But in that time working there, I had been promoted within three months of working at that job. I was, my numbers were some of the best in the company, but in the end, it didn't matter to them. Wow. So two days. (laughs) I don't even know that kind of works like that, but. I was barely (laughs) at the hospital. I think I would have to literally go from the hospital straight to work. Yeah. So that happened. You're obviously in a company that didn't align with your values. And you decided like that day, okay, I'm going to leave this job. Or how did that kind of work? I think it was more like I really felt like my safety was put in jeopardy. My daughter was actually born at two pounds. So that can give you an idea about how high risk it was. We had like 12 people in the delivery room. I thought that was normal until I had my son. (laughs) So I didn't realize you only have two staff on hand in the delivery room. Normally, I'm like 12. They had a team for me, the team for the baby, and a team for whatever else was needed. And it wasn't even a C-section. 
So that kind of tells you right there just how um, high risk it was. And I think when I heard, when they told me that, first it was a lot of people asked me, it was a woman or a man. It was a woman. She didn't have kids. I don't know if that necessarily matters. I feel like it's more a humane thing. But that's one of the biggest questions I get about it. But for me, I was like instantly, oh man, my family's health and safety has been put at risk. Because not only our financial, but also our mental and physical well-being is being put at risk with me having to return to work within two days. And I probably would have gotten written up if I decided to stay. And then if I had too many write-ups, I'd be let let off. But I didn't even want to go down that route because if you're going to have that much control over my family's being, I don't want a part of it. And I just felt like it was the wrong thing to continue with as a new mom and it's this big responsibility I had on my plate. And I couldn't worry about it, but we desperately needed money. So I was like, what can I do at, at home if my baby, because I'm one of those OCD people. I plan for everything. And so even the things that might not happen. So I was like, if my daughter has health issues, we're probably going to have lots of doctor visits. We're probably, I'm not going to be able to work if she has significant health issues. And so I was like, what can I do from home that I could even maybe do from a hospital? We have to say in um, a NICU or anything like that. And um, I just researched stay-at-home mom jobs <laughs> or stay at Yeah. And it was, I found virtual assistant. I was like, this is everything I was doing at my old job. I could definitely do this. And I fell in love with it. And I actually got my first client while in labor, which was super exciting. And I also signed for a house, our first house while in labor. The realtor, poor guy, had to come up to our labor and delivery room to sign paperwork. Wow, good for you. I know that it's so hard sometimes when you're like, okay, this is not a line, but I want to do something to actually be able to make that move. Like for many people, it's money that stands in the way. And for you to be able to just go in and say, all right, I'm going to create something else that could truly change your life. And now you have a thriving business. So you worked with uh, virtual assistants for how long do you still work with them as well? Oh, yeah, it's still a thriving oh, business. So I turned it into a virtual assistant agency called the NG Virtual Assistant. And we I did it. So I found an, how most businesses start, right? We Or we evolve is we find a need and we want to fulfill that. And one of the needs I found was that People are really getting overwhelmed with overseas virtual assistants. And number two was that they were so overwhelmed by working with so many people. And they felt like they had to keep tabs on everyone or finding the perfect executive assistant. It was just like, it was really hard for them to find all the team members. It was taking so much time. So my agency is a little different where they get a project manager and the project manager will take down the tasks and to-dos and will create the systems and processes to help the client. And then they will delegate to our team. So we already have a team that works really well together and they know how to get things done on time. We have our own SOPs and processes. And so it makes everything a lot more streamlined. So they're not having to recreate the process that we already created. So it is a thriving business. And then the second need I saw was that entrepreneurs didn't have systems that connected to each other. So they would ask us to set up automations, which we love to do. And, but they had Calendly over here. They had MailChimp over here. They had ActiveCampaign. They had Wix. 
and none of them were connecting. And then you you could use like Zapier for some things to connect them all, but it was costing them a lot of money. And so we invented Nadora, which is like an all-one system for entrepreneurs to create everything, their websites, landing pages, email marketing, text campaigns, social media scheduling, unlimited calendars, does everything in one while providing networking support and education as well. Oh, that's great. What I love about this is that you went from a place where your liberties and freedoms and ability to take care of your family was like controlled by somebody else. But now you've created an agency that allows other people to get all those things back, freedom and all those things. And I love that parallel for you because many times people are in those situations and they don't end up creating something like that. So that's awesome. I want to talk a little bit about business owners because I know when entrepreneurs are out there, they are trying to do all the things. And if you've listened to the podcast, which I know you have, that we really preach create streamlined systems so you don't have to work all the time. And you hit on the little nerve with me when you're like all this tech and you're trying to connect it all and you end up paying a lot more. So how do you work with businesses to really streamline those operations? Like what's the first step? Obviously, I love referring to Dora. That's sometimes my first step. If they don't already have the system or process or if they're paying thousands of dollars because it's cheap compared to what most people are paying. The second thing is really writing a list of everything you're doing and then looking at the softwares you already own. For instance, a lot of people have softwares. They don't realize the full capabilities and features of them. And like for us in our system, what we just realized, even me, what I've been doing this for years, this is what I specialize in. I just realized that I have Slack and I have Basecamp. So Basecamp is my project management tool. Slack I use for communication with my team. But you can do the same things on Slack that you can do on Basecamp, at least what I was using it for communication. So that would save me like $70 a month if I just switched over to Basecamp. And so it's like really understanding what you're doing and what you're using it with and what do you already own. Uh, So if you do, if you're in love with your stuff, I would recommend really researching your programs and finding out every update they've done recently and find out what can you do and what can't you do on it. And that will help you really streamline your process and also automations. You need to have automations in your business. I saved 28 hours a week in automations. We actually traded it out with one of our virtual assistants. And so everything, my check-ins with my clients, my welcome emails, my contracts, everything is done with just me hitting one click of a button. I love it. One of the things that I have learned in the tech space that I've been in is that many times they have beta groups and they're always looking for feedback. And if you can get into one of those groups, some of the things that you may be like, oh, I need this other piece of software because this doesn't do that. Actually, you can influence those things coming about, or maybe there's other people out there that have also experienced that. And if you can get in some of those beta groups, I've found those to be really informative and helpful 
because sometimes they are working on whatever you're thinking about as well. They just need people to test it out. Yeah, it's definitely, I love, like, I always recommend having, surrounding yourself with other entrepreneurs is huge. I actually was at dinner last night with a um, a whole group of them that I met. And just the ideas that you can get in their experience is uh, so valuable, but also remembering to pick and choose. So you'll listen. So just because they recommend something doesn't mean necessarily you should go after it. So I would say definitely listen to what they're saying and listen to what they're not saying. Ask questions, get curious, and then make a decision what's best for your company. Because we can go down a rabbit hole. If I chase, I'm like one of those people that loves tech. And so if someone recommends a new tech to me, I'm learning everything I can about it and like super interested in it. But it wastes a lot of time sometimes. And you might also already have the tech that they're recommending. You just haven't used that feature. Exactly. Yeah. So many of my listeners are new entrepreneurs or they're sitting in a cube knowing that's not where they want to be and they want to move out of that cube or even their corner office. I have people who are doing really well and sitting in the corner office and they're like, this is not where I want to be. But if somebody is new on that journey of building a business, what are the things that you recommend tech-wise or the essentials that they would need to get started? It's actually something that's not necessarily tech, and that's your SOPs, your standard operating procedures. I feel like before you implement or do any type of tech, you should have an SOP on how you want things done. Because these steps will help if the tech is right for you, if you can implement what you want to do on this tech. So it's really important. And the standard operating procedure, also known as SOP, is just, it's a series of steps in for everything you do in your business. And it's exactly how you want it done, when you want it done, who you want to do it. It's, it's your manual, right, for your business. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't take the time to sit down and figure that out before they start creating. So they end up making a lot of mistakes or they're buying unnecessary tech because it doesn't relate to what they're trying to do. And so it's really important just to have a clear thought out plan and taking that time to really understand what you're trying to do and how you want to do it instead of just creating it on the tech and then figuring it out from there. It costs a lot more and it ends up making a lot more mistakes. Yeah. I agree. I think so many times as well, we create these businesses and we start off as a sole entrepreneur. That was my biggest challenge when I went from corporate America. I had 25 people. So if I had a wild idea, I'd walk out. I'd be like, hey, we're going to do this. I'd go to my next meeting. I'd come back and they were already halfway figured it out. But being a sole entrepreneur, there were so many things that were in my head. And when I hired my first person, I was like, oh, you just do this. And she's, what? Nothing was written down. (laughs) So what's a good way to start that SOP? What do you think are the core things that need to be in there? Oh, that's a great question. So the, the first one that I start with is your lead generation and your client onboarding. Because that is what's going to set up your company for success in the beginning because it's how you get clients and how you keep clients. And so those are the two that I would really focus on first. And you can always hire people to even create these SOPs for you. 
And then make sure you review it, though, and then you make sure it's how you like it. Because I think sometimes we rely on people to create things for for us and we're not actually checking it. And so it's really important that we just make sure that we 100% agree with the processes and systems and we understand them as an owner as well. But the so for lead generation, who's your ideal client? Um, where can they be found? How old are they? What gender? What do they do for work? And then going into where are they on the digital space if that's how you're getting your clients? Or like, how are you going to get them? So are you going to go to events and show your product or service at events? Are you going to do social media? Are you going to do um, PPC ads, paid per click? So like Google or Facebook ads. How are you going to attract customers? Are you going to have a referral program? There's just so much in lead generation that you could do. And I wouldn't put it all in one document. I would segregate them into different documents and that way because eventually as your business grows you're going to have to hand off certain tasks to certain team members they're not going to be doing every single um job so having them broken down is really good and then with client retention is and client onboarding is when do they receive the email which please automate that it's so easy to automate a welcome email don't make it harder on yourself automate that and how are they, are you doing like a discovery call? Is it a purchase page? All of that can be automated. And then following up with the client, I found has had great success for client retention. Even if you're like following up with the CEO, I automate that. I do quarterly check-ins with all our clients, even though I don't work with the clients one-on-one. I say, hey, I'm your CEO. How are you doing? How are you liking it? Is there anything that we could do better or do you need help with? And it just makes them feel like they're part of something bigger, a community. They are being checked in. They're not just being handed off to their project manager and then suffering on their own, right? So I think just those little touches. I know a company recently sent me a little postcard and said, thanks for having a call with us. I was like, that's so sweet. <laughs> it was like, it just felt like a huge, like community. I think this year, it's my year to focus on building a community within my business. And doing those little touches are so important. So writing all those steps down is definitely going to set you up for success. Yeah. And I love that idea of putting it all to paper. Even if you don't have it all figured out yet, like you may not be able to implement it all, but here's the goal of where we're trying to drive to so that we can do this. As many of I come from a nonprofit background, so we work a lot with donors. And we call that a stewardship plan. Like, how are we stewarding our donors? And when they start to to donate more money, maybe it's a different threshold. When they become a client for a year, maybe sending an email that says, congratulations on our work anniversary. So there's so many great ways to really touch the people that we work with besides becoming transactional. And I think that's the key. Yeah, definitely. It just it restores their faith in you. It reminds them of you. Actually, we end up getting more business because they're like, oh, yeah, I, I, a lot of our stuff is run on autopilot because they've given us the tasks and we just do them all the time. And so they'll be like, what? I forgot. I actually have a task I need to hand off to them. And that postcard or whatnot reminds them. So it does increase business as well. And then when you make someone feel like they're part of a community and they're loyal, the biggest thing you're going to get out of that is referrals. And that is what that cycle of getting a client and having them refer more and more, that's what's going to make you level up and grow really quick 
That's how my business hit six figures in three months was because of referrals. I got seven clients on my own within a week, and then they all referred people. And so that is how my business really grew, and they just kept coming and coming. And now we get a referral at least every week, if not multiple times a week. Yeah. And going back to how you're going to get clients, you got those referrals because you did a good job and you took care of people. And so creating those systems to ensure that you're able to do that and staying true to the core of what you want your business to be is critical. So many entrepreneurs always ask about tech. So if you were setting up your business today, what are maybe the two things that you couldn't live without? A good funnel. So I feel like a good funnel, so a landing page that brings your customer through a series of steps is super, super important. I feel like we've we've put a lot of time into that because we also create those for our clients. And that's how Nadora came about. But I've just seen the power of a really good funnel and how it can really, you can close people really quickly if you put the time and effort into making the funnel really systematic. And then two, I would have to say automations because when I couldn't hire people and I was working a lot of hours, I was, automations are probably what saved me because I think there's a difference between doing all the work and then doing all the work in a smart way. Because sometimes we're like, oh, our to-do list is a hundred feet long and we don't take that time to just think it through and we just do the tasks, right? And we just try to get them done really quick. If you actually sat, take an hour to go through that to-do list and you figure out what can you automate, what can you give away, what do you need to keep, you're going to save yourself so much time, stress, you're not going to make as much mistakes, you're going to actually be able to be present with your clients. And I think that was something that I really had to learn. And automations are really what pushed my business. And I have both the bundles and the automations on Adora. I've tried them on a different, a lot of different platforms, but Nadora has been what I stick to for those. Yeah. And what's really interesting is I had a guess, and I'm probably going to butcher this stat, but he said that we write the same, basically the same email hundreds of times a year. And even if you can't afford the tech to automate, keep some of those emails that you write over and over again in a Word doc and you can automate it yourself. Like we we used to call that duct tape and Band-Aid process. But if you just had a Word doc with some of the emails you frequently send, I can't imagine how much time that would save me, especially at the beginning. Yeah, and you can even do templates. So if you use Gmail, so if you can't do get automation software. You can make those um, emails into templates in Gmail. And then you can just hit a little button and it'll autofill that template. That's what I did before I got into automations. Oh, and it saved me so much time. And I just made sure, make sure you edit it because yes. it's so easy not to have like the XXX and not fill their name in. Yeah. Or you're like, please do this by June. And they're like, it's September. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I got a lot of time to do that. But. Yeah, I agree with you. Automations definitely have changed my business. And I think the cool part about it is it's kept me doing what is more my zone of genius, which is strategy and operations. 
my mindset is better because I'm not like, oh, I have to write this email. I have to figure out what to say and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Now, there's a lot of talk out there about AI, chat GPT, and all the things. What are your thoughts on the AI softwares? Yeah, I just had a really good meeting. I told you I was with a bunch of entrepreneurs last night. We were talking about it. And it's interesting because someone brought up the fact that ChatGPT actually gives incorrect information now when it used to not. So I'm not, I'm looking into that and researching more, but I love using ChatGPT for like brainstorming. So I don't necessarily use it to replace our work, but I do use it to help support it. A lot of times when I'm trying to create different strategies or marketing plans or pitch decks or any of that, like the operation side of things, I use ChatGPT just to help me, guide me through those steps. And I am, but I think there is still a lot to be said for human interaction. And as much as I love automations and what we can do with automations, we should use it in a way that humanizes us still. Because now anyone can see, I know when I read a website, I can tell if it has chat GPT text on it, even if they change the tone and how it's said. But I really using, I, I have someone that uses a automation tool to send voicemails to check in with people or voice messages. And so it's the same voice message every time, but because it's a voice message, it humanizes it and we don't realize it. So I think just keeping, I think there's, a time and place for AI. And I think it's a game changer for entrepreneurship, but we just can't forget that the reason people come to us is because we are humans. And especially we have social media is huge right now in TikTok. And the reason why a lot of people on TikTok went viral is because it was real raw videos of people and their thoughts, their passions yeah. and what they love to do. And I've just seen, I even have a prediction that eventually logos are going to come are going to go away and it's going to be pe people's faces. So that's actually, yeah. Cause you heard it, you heard it here first. <laughs> that's my prediction y'all. I'm spreading that far and wide. So contact me when it comes true, but I believe it's going to be people's faces because especially after pandemic, we just want to connect with people. We want to support other people. We don't uh, supporting larger companies and chains are slowly dying. If you actually look at the analytics and stuff, especially with all the prices nowadays, but actually smaller business, even though the smaller businesses do have a higher price, they're actually increasing every year in revenue. And I think a lot of that is that we want to support and connect with a fellow person. Yeah. And I do use ChatGPT in my business similar to you. I use it for a lot of brainstorming. And if Many of our listeners have listened to my podcast and they know I'm not a fan of smart goals. And so many times I think chat GPT plays it safe because they'll say, oh, put your goals in a smart format and they spit out all the stuff that other people have spit out. And it doesn't have my true authentic thoughts and views on goal setting. And so I do use it for brainstorming. I can't use it out of the box because obviously it'll people would be like, wait a minute, I thought she doesn't like smart goals. And here's a whole article on smart goals. So I think it's a great use of a tool. And going back to your whole theme is that use tools that help you save time and money. And sometimes I'm not sure like what topics I should have for my podcast. 
chat GPT comes up with some great potential topics or if I'm trying to title a podcast and I'm like, here's what it was about. Yeah, the titles are great. So I think it's really about learning the tool and making sure that you're staying true to yourself. Yeah, and I think a lot also making sure you're using tone. So if you are having it right for you, like you said, like with podcast titles, I do that as well. And I make sure that I am telling it to put it in a tone. So I usually say a friendly, upbeat tone with easy to understand words. I think that's how I do it. But if you hear me talk during this podcast episode, you can tell I am very upbeat. I am definitely um, an extrovert. And I like to talk in words that other people can understand. And so they can more easily connect with me. So... That's what I use with ChatGPT. It does work, but I wouldn't necessarily do, I wouldn't let it create an email for me. I wouldn't let it create a blog, maybe a podcast title. I would probably have it write a description and then edit it because I usually like the bones of it. I don't, like you said, it just doesn't, it's missing that one aspect that's me. And so that's where I'd have to go in and humanize it. Yeah. I had to do something really cool for me the other day. I received an email from somebody that I received multiple e- emails from. In the email chain, it has multiple emails. And one of the emails, I was like, ooh, it, is this a good email or not? Because she used a word that I was like, that could go either way. And so I pasted it into chat GPT at, with all the other emails. And I was like, what do you think is the tone of this email? And they were like, this person is busy and just wants this done. And is and it was very helpful because I was like, all right, they're not really mad. And I responded and did the thing that she had asked. And she's sorry if my last, and I didn't say anything about her email. And she's sorry if my last email was short. I was driving and talking to email, which I probably shouldn't have been doing. So there yeah. you go. But I felt a, a certain sort of way about the email. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to get this done. And then I hope we're okay. Yeah. And that was really what it was. I think that's one thing I had to learn about working with so many clients. Because a lot of my clients are high anxiety and high ADHD too. And so a lot of the stuff they want done quit. But maybe like they're only asking for five hours a week in work or something. But they want everything done now. But you're, you only have five hours of work life. And so one of the things that I had to learn really quickly was like, okay, when they send me like an email or a text message or whatever that is short and maybe a little, maybe it could be borderline rude. And I just have to be like, it's okay. Because at the end of the day, it's a business and it's going to be okay. If they're disappointed, if someone doesn't like my services, not everyone's going, to, that's okay. It's, we're just going to read for each other. And I've actually given recommendations to other VAs and VA companies because I believe this so much that at the end of the day, I'm we're really good at what we do. Sometimes our prices aren't right. Maybe some of our VAs aren't right in personality or maybe we're just not what the client needs. And that's 100% okay. And but I love that you put the tone into ChatGPT because I'm actually going to tell my staff to do that. Because yeah. a lot of them, they care about the business so much and I love them for it. But they get so emotional about responses they receive. And I'm like, it's not, it's not that big a deal. They're just saying they want it done because it, it, there's a deadline coming up. This is a normal reaction. Like it's okay yeah. for them, anxiety. It's, it's a deadline. I think that's really cool that you did that. I'm definitely going to tell them to try that out so they can 
see what the real tone is too. And, and it was so dead on too, because after she responded, she was like, "Hey, sorry, I was driving and talking to email." I'm like, "Okay, that's why it came off like very crisp." <laughs> that's hilarious. Anyway, so I just love this conversation. I could actually talk to you all day about automations and systems and things to make our lives easier. If a listener's listening and they're like, how do I connect with her? How would they best connect with you and what might they expect? Yeah, so the best way to connect with me is probably on social media. I am on pretty much every other, every social media platform you can find. But uh, TikTok and Instagram um, and Facebook are my main three. Um, it's Natalie Guzman. You can find it anywhere. And we, I love giving tips on there for entrepreneurs. I talk a lot about SOPs or sometimes just talking about the overwhelm that can happen as an entrepreneur and any tips, tricks, softwares, automations, and so much more. And then you can also, if you go to nadora.org, and you mentioned this podcast, you can actually get two weeks free and of Nadora and check it out, see if it works for you. And then my virtual assistant agency is at gvirtualassistant.com. Awesome. And we'll link all those in the show notes. I've just loved this conversation and I thank you for being on the show today. And again, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> Same here. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah. All right, bold goal crushers, it's time to crush your goals and everything that gets in the way so you don't have to work double time. So let's get to it. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast where we crush goals and everything that gets in the way. I always love to support my community. I look forward to seeing you crush your goals this year.